Well, yesterday, you have to go back in time. I don't know what you were doing at 2.30 yesterday afternoon, but at 2.30 yesterday afternoon, I was looking at my computer screen, just doing the final review on the sermon for this morning from Mark chapter 8. And in the midst of looking at that last paragraph, the computer blinked. And I didn't really, I I was so deep in thought of how we were going to end Mark chapter 8. And finally a minute or two went by and I realized, wait a minute, that the the sermon's not on the screen anymore. Well, I thought, well, it's got to be there. Because I've been doing this for enough years, I I don't trust any technology, so I back up everything. And my computer at home is set to back up everything every 10 minutes, so that if I ever lose anything... The only thing I've lost is a maximum of the last 10 minutes if I've typed a new word or changed a sentence. That's all I've ever lost. And then in addition to that, I've got everything, and I mean everything, in the cloud. Now, I don't have any idea how that works, but I might be going to try and figure that out now. Everything's in the cloud. So that if I'm here or on the other side of the world, as long as I've got my laptop with me, or I even have access to it on my phone, I can find every, every file, every sermon, every, 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 everything is backed up, except that sermon from Mark chapter 8. I don't know where it went. It's gone. I don't know if that computer is possessed with some evil thing or what happened, But I went back into the cloud where I have never lost anything. It's not there. And it was there just an hour before because I just signed on with the cloud. And I went back in to make sure that my automatic recovery is still working every 10 minutes and the little box was checked and it's... I wish it could have been there. I needed somebody's shoulder to cry on right then and there. Well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when it's 2.30 on Saturday afternoon and you're preaching Sunday morning? Call in sick? Can't do that. So let me just tell you this. Your assignment for next week is to reread Mark chapter 8. Because this morning we're going to do something different. I had worked on that sermon every day last week. And I just have to tell you, it was really a good one. Really was. Now, if I can only go back and remember all those things, there was no way I could try and resurrect that at 2.30 on Saturday afternoon. But God is still good, and I still believe in the sovereignty of God that He is in absolute control of everything that happens. And so, even though Sharon and I talked about that this morning at breakfast, even though we may not understand why there has to be a plan and a purpose, and I don't know what that is either, but Lord willing... We'll all be back next Sunday, and we'll all be well-read on Mark chapter 8. So this morning, I'm going to start out a little different. You know, normally, and I've been here for, how long have I been here? For three or four or five months, I don't know. And normally, the first thing I do is I I tell you, let's take our Bibles and turn to a certain passage. Well, this morning, I want you to keep your Bible closed. I want every Bible closed for the moment. We're going to open them in a minute, but for now... I want you to close them. I want you to travel back in time with me. Let's go back. Let's go all the way back to the time when Jesus walked the earth. We believe that his ministry started in 
30 AD. Now, let me just do a little time out here. There are people who believe that Jesus' ministry started in 30 AD and that he was crucified in 33. There's a whole group of other people who believe his ministry started in 27 AD and he was crucified in 30 AD. Okay? But since I'm the one that's preaching, I get to pick. I believe his ministry started in 30 AD and I believe he was crucified in April, our April, of 33 AD. So, one of the first things he did was choose his disciples, right? That's one of the first things Jesus did. He was baptized, and then he went off and he prayed, and when he was done praying, he chose his 12 disciples. Now, let's see, there's uh, 25, 30 people here, and let's just say, let me just do the math here. Let's say that the average person in the room has been going to church for 20 years. Some of us have been going to church for 60 or 70 years. Well, let's say the average is 30 years. Let's say there's 30 people in the room, and we've averaged 30 years per person. That means, do you know what that means? That means we have been going to church for 900 years, okay? Now, here's what I want you to do. Keep your Bible closed. Take your pen and a pencil. You can write on the bulletin you got from the ushers when they walked in here, if you've got one, or if you've got a blank piece of paper anywhere, just don't write on the chairs, okay? Now, if you're married, you're here with the family, you're a couple, whatever it is, situation, you can do this assignment together. Cell phones are off. Bibles are closed. One of the first things Jesus did was choose his 12 disciples. I want you to take a minute, and we can turn the video off for a minute or two, Trey, if you want. One of the first things I want you to do is, with your Bibles closed and your cell phones shut off, here we are with 900 years of sitting in church. I want you to write the names of the 12 disciples. Go ahead. Done? No. Just take a minute. Write them down. We've been going to church for 900 years. Okay, let's stop writing. You know, there's a second part to this little quiz that would be interesting, and we're not going to do that this morning, but it would be interesting if we all tried to make the same list and we all got together up here in the front and we talked to each other. I wonder then if, if we could come up with all 12. But don't tell me the names. Don't tell me. Is there anybody here who thinks you've got all 12? Okay? Three people. Got all 12. Okay. Good for you. We'll, we're going to go through the list in a minute, but hang on to your, your list. It seems to me that whenever we talk about apostles or we talk about disciples, someone always asks the question, what's the difference? What's the difference between an apostle and a disciple? Well, let me give you a short answer. And then I'm going to give you a longer answer. The short answer is this. A disciple is someone who's committed to a cause. Just think about that. A disciple is someone who's committed to a cause. If we're committed to believing, if we are, and I'm not assuming that we're all disciples. All that I can assume for the moment is that we're all inside a church building this morning. But Disciples are people who accept the beliefs and teachings of another person and then apply those teachings to their life. Okay, so if, if you're one of those people who accepts and believes the teachings of Jesus and you're doing your best to apply those things to your life, then you 
are a disciple of Jesus Christ. But the whole word disciple is, is not just a Christian word. Those of us who hang around in church, we use the word disciple. It means something about church. We're not even exactly what it means, but we know it has something to do with church. But there are other disciples. There are disciples out there that have never gone to church. Let me give you an example. In World War II, some guy named Hitler had some wild and crazy ideas. There were people in Germany who believed everything that Hitler was saying, and they did their very best to apply his teachings to their life. They, in fact, became a disciple of Adolf Hitler. See? See how that works? There are people in what used to be the Soviet Union. There was a guy named Khrushchev who was the ruler there in the 60s and 70s. There were people who listened to everything Nikita Khrushchev said, and they did their very best to take what he said and apply it to their life. Those people that believed what he said and applied it to their life became disciples of Nikita Khrushchev. Okay? Now, I like football. I like watching the Minnesota Vikings. There are people right now practicing in Minneapolis under a man's rule called Mike Zimmer. He's the head coach of the Vikings. If there are people who believe what he's teaching is the right way to play, and they're doing their best to take his teachings and apply those things to their life, they, in fact, have become a disciple of a football coach named Mike Zimmer. So let's understand, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is more than just going to church. It means that we believe that what he said is true, and we are doing our very best to apply those teachings to our life. A disciple is someone who's committed to a cause. Now, that's a disciple. An apostle, on the other hand, well, that requires a little more explanation. The word apostle comes from the Greek word apostolos, which literally means someone who has been sent with a message. The word apostle is used in the New Testament three different ways. Now, let's take a minute. We're going to look at all three of those ways in the New Testament. First of all, number one, and I think we've got this on a screen. Well, let me see that. Can you, see, can you read that? Is that? I'm trying to figure out how big or small to make these. Can, it's good? We good? Okay. Number one, the word apostle refers to a person who is sent by others to accomplish a particular mission or task. Take your Bibles, open to with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. Now this is a little more difficult if you're opening the Bible on your cell phone. But go ahead and open to Acts 13. If you have a paper Bible like I have... I want you to put one hand in Acts 13, and the other hand I want you to look up in the maps on the back of the Bible. Turn to Acts 13. And then I want you to also, with your other hand, look at the maps in the back. And I want you to find that map that goes the long way, left to right, and it probably has something about the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys. And right in the middle, the major part of the map is the Mediterranean Sea. Okay? So see if you can find that map. 
And it probably says something about the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. Are we okay? Raise your hand if you've got the map. Okay, good. Okay, we're there. Okay, the rest of you can keep looking. Now, let's look at the map first. You can find the Mediterranean Sea. The top right corner of the Mediterranean Sea, that would be the northeast corner of the water, is the city of Antioch. The city of Antioch is actually 15 miles from the water. Can somebody, have you found it? Somebody see, that's correct? Okay, the city of Antioch is not on the water, it's 15 miles inland. Acts 13, let's go back to Acts 13 now. Acts 13 takes place in the city of Antioch. That's a city that if we had a world map of 2019, Antioch would be in the country of Turkey. In the days of the early church, there was a new church in Antioch, and we have every reason to believe that it was a wonderful church. It was a church that cared, not just about itself, but it cared about other people that lived in the area. And it was committed, the church in Antioch was absolutely committed to reaching other people with the good news of Jesus. Now, let me read the first three verses of Acts 13. You can follow along. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Turn the page. Go to Acts 14. We now find that these people who have been sent by the church in Antioch are now traveling in a variety of towns. Three of those are Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. And while they're in Lystra, they, they encounter a man who's been crippled since birth, but the people in Lystra start bringing these Paul and Barnabas all kinds of gifts because they believe that Paul and Barnabas are mythological gods that have now come to live on earth. Look at Acts 14, verse 14 and 15. But when the, what's the word? When the who? When the apostles, thank you. When the apostles, now do we remember what that is? People who have been sent for a specific task. When the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. Turn with your other hand. If you've got, forget the maps for a minute. Go back to Hebrews chapter 3. I want us to look at these. Hebrews 3, verse 1. I can hear those pages turning. If you're using a cell phone, I can't hear anything, but I'm assuming you're there. Hebrews 3.1. Did I say 3.1? 3.1. Let me read Hebrews 3.1. Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the... What's the word? Apostle. Now, wait, let's just think about that. Interesting word, right? Apostle means someone who has been sent on a specific mission. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest from whom we confess. The writer of the Hebrews is now calling Jesus an apostle. How is Jesus an apostle? He's an apostle because he was sent from our heavenly father, his heavenly father, to come to earth for a very specific mission 
to die on the cross and shed his blood is the full payment, just like the song we sang earlier this morning. He died on the cross and shed his blood. He accomplished his mission. Okay, number one, an apostle is someone who's been sent on a mission. Number two, it also refers to people who are divinely chosen to serve as Jesus' original representatives. The word apostle. Now, here's where we're going to get our list. So keep your list and Matthew's list handy. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. And this is where you can look at your list as we go through our list and see how many you have right. Matthew chapter 10, verse 2. Now just follow along with me. These are the names of the twelve, what? Apostles, okay, apostles. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now, if you're taking notes, I can tell you this, that Matthew 10... Verses 2 to 4 gives us a list of the 12 apostles, and you'll have to see how well you did. Mark, just hold on to this, Mark chapter 3, verses 16 to 19, gives us also the list of the 12 apostles. And the list in Matthew and Mark are identical. But now I want you to turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, we have a list of the 12 apostles, and the list is not exactly the same. Turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Look in your Bible so you don't think I'm changing these words. Beginning in verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out on a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Verse 13. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Here we go. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now, all three lists are exactly the same except for one thing. Matthew and Mark identify a disciple named Thaddeus, while Luke identifies someone named Judas, the son of James. Let me tell you this, it's the same person, okay? We don't have 13 in one, I mean 12 of the 13, and they go back and forth. It seems to me that Matthew and Mark chose to refer to this person as Thaddeus as a way to make sure he wasn't confused with Judas, the other Judas, Judas Iscariot. Now here's the third definition for apostle. It refers to the apostle Paul. Paul was chosen by God and sent on a mission by God himself. Here's how we talk about this, those of us who grew up in Sunday school. And I think of these, I, like I was looking at Gary when he was looking up the maps there. And I actually said from memory, if you find this map with the Mediterranean Sea, it almost always in the corner of that map says what? These are Paul's first, second, third, fourth missionary journeys. And each one is a different line. One's blue, one's red, one orange. You know what the routine there. That's how we refer to these, as first, second, third, and fourth missionary journeys. But that isn't how God referred to it. Paul was on a mission. He didn't go on four missionary journeys. He was just on one long mission that lasted the rest of his life. He was personally chosen by God to take the message of Christianity 
to the Gentiles. Now let me read a few verses. You can write these references down if you want to look them up later. Romans 1.1 says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, there's that word, and set apart for the gospel of God. That was Romans 1.1. The second verse is Galatians 1.1, and it starts like this. Paul, an apostle, here's our word, sent not from men nor by man, but by Christ Jesus and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And here's the third one, Acts 9.15. But the Lord said, This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. Now let's review. The word apostle can mean a person who was sent to accomplish a particular mission. It also refers to people who were divinely chosen by Jesus to be his representatives. And number three, it refers to Paul. Those are the three ways, and let me tell you this, those are the three ways, and those are the only three ways that the word apostle is used in the New Testament. Now we've got that settled, let me tell you this, there are three qualifications for being an apostle. Number one, the person had to actually see Jesus. In Acts 1, the 11 disciples are faced with the challenge of finding a replacement for this guy, Judas Iscariot. In Acts 1, beginning in verse 21, Peter says this, Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who has been with us the whole time. Just think about that. Hold it. Peter says, therefore it is necessary for us. He's trying to figure out how are we going to replace Judas. Therefore, it's necessary for us to choose one of the men who has been with us the whole time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. In other words, these 11 apostles, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, determined that the replacement for Judas could not just be someone who was actively involved in the new church in Jerusalem. That was not enough there had to be more qualifications than that. It had to be someone who had traveled with them and had interacted and had many multiple visits with Jesus himself. In 1 Corinthians 9.1, Paul said this. 1 Corinthians 9.1, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? But think about that. But Paul wasn't one of those original 12 disciples. So how did he see Jesus? The answer is in Acts 26, beginning in verse 12, which is a cross-reference to Paul on the road to Damascus from Acts 9. Turn with me to Acts 26, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 12. On one of these journeys, I was going up to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Verse 15, then I asked, Who are you, Lord? And the next words are, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. So now listen, it was on the road to Damascus that Paul, or Saul as he was sometimes come, called, there are people who believe that his name was originally Saul and he changed his name to Paul. I don't believe that. 
I think when he was with certain people, he used the name Saul. And when he was with other people, he used the name Paul. When he was with his Jewish friends, he went by Saul. When he was with his Gentile friends, he used the name Paul. But it was on the road to Damascus where he was going to persecute Christians that he saw this big bright light. You remember the story from Acts chapter 9. And in that light was Jesus. The second thing, the person had to have been specifically chosen either by Jesus or the Holy Spirit or God himself to use the term apostle. In other words, you can't just volunteer to be an apostle. There's qualifications that have to be met in order for a person to use that term, that word. You know, here at Crosspoint, we've got need for volunteers. We need people to stand at the door and greet people when they come in. You want to volunteer to be a greeter? You can do that. You want to volunteer to sign up out on the sheet to be part of our prayer team and pray for the search team? You can do that. You want to be a part of the crew that helps clean the building? You can do that. Just sign up. But you can't volunteer to be an apostle. There's qualifications that need to be met in order for you to be an apostle. Luke 6.13 says, When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he designated apostles. And the third thing is, the apostles were given the power to perform miracles. It says in Mark 3.14, he appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Now I've got a question. Does that mean that everyone who casts out demons is an apostle? No. Go back and review the three qualifications. It was people who were sent. It was people who saw Jesus. It was people who Jesus gave the power to perform miracles. Acts 2.43 says, Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Acts 5, verse 12. I'm going to bring this to a close. Acts 5, verse 12. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Verse 15. As a result, just think of what this was like in Jerusalem. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. God gave those people special powers. Luke 9, the first two verses, when Jesus called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Here's the question. Do we still have apostles today? No. We do not have apostles today. There is no such thing as a biblical apostle today. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 3. This is the Apostle Paul. For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and verse 8 says, and last of all, He appeared to me. 
Paul is the last person to be given the title apostle. The last person who meets all three qualifications of what it means to be a New Testament apostle. Which means this. This afternoon or tomorrow morning when you turn on your Christian radio station and it says we'd like to introduce apostle so-and-so, that's your clue for turning the radio off. There's no such thing. Or tomorrow night, if you're going to watch Trinity Broadcasting Network or whatever, and I don't have anything against them. But if they're introducing somebody who comes up and he's introducing not as pastor or reverend or anything like that, they introduce him as apostle so-and-so, that's your clue, turn the TV off. There is no such thing as an apostle. Are there people who use that title? Yes. They're using it incorrectly. Biblical, by the biblical definition, past apostles no longer exist. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside, called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles. We know that 12 apostles were with Jesus when he ate his last meal in Jerusalem. But beyond their names, let me ask a question. Beyond their names... What do we really know about these guys? What was it that caused these men, who honestly, we don't know much about them, but what was it that caused them to give up everything and follow Jesus and take the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth? When we finish our sermon series on the Gospel of Mark, what are we going to do then? Well, we're going to do something. And one option that's on the table, we may look at those 12 apostles. It'll take us 12, well, hold it, time out. We may look at those apostles, whether we count 12 or 13 or 14, one each week for the number of weeks after we finish this sermon series on the Gospel of Mark. Because I know this, there's a lot of information out there that just gets referenced in here. So you can pray for me because I've got to come to that decision. What are we going to do when we get done with Mark 16? Because there is no Mark 17, and we're not going to pretend that there is. So one option may be, unless the Lord gives me another idea, one option is that we will look at those lives of those 13 or 14 apostles. Okay, there's 12. I got that. Now, I don't want you confused for the next three months. Who are these 13 and 14? So we have the original 12. Then we have in the first couple chapters of Acts, there's a guy named Matthias. Remember, they, they were going to choose somebody to take the place of Judas, and they chose a guy named Matthias, who it's really interesting. That's the last time his name is ever mentioned in the New Testament. So I don't know what that means. And then if he's 13, then we could spend a week talking about the last apostle the Apostle Paul. 
So that may happen, and it may not, and Jesus might come back before we even get done with the Gospel of Mark, so we won't have to worry about any of that. Thanks for putting up with me, trying to share a little bit of what I know about disciples and apostles, and we're going to close in a word of prayer. We're going to ask the ushers to come forward, and then we're all going to gather out in the lobby for a meal if you've got time to stay with us. So let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you for We thank you for this church and we thank you for the friendships that we share. We thank you for the fellowship that will take place around all the tables between us and between our friends in the Spanish church. We thank you for all the hard work that they've done to prepare this meal for us. We thank you for this offering we're about to take and we ask that we continue to be good stewards of all that you have entrusted into our care. And then, Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus who went to the cross because he loved us and he shed his blood as the full and final payment for all of our sin. And we thank you, Lord, for these Bibles that we hold in our hands. We live in a day and age in a place here on the planet where having Bibles is so easy. Most of us have more Bibles in our house than we have people. And yet, Lord, there are places in the world where Bibles are very rare and scarce. So, Lord, help us to be grateful for what you've given us. Help us to understand that this is the living Word of God. And give us the heart, Lord, and the desire to read it and meditate on it and memorize it and study it so that we can become better equipped at sharing the good news of Jesus with the world around us. So we thank you for these gifts and for each giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.